You're listening to The Lively Show, episode 92. Welcome to The Lively Show. I'm your host, Jess Lively, and this blogcast is designed to uplift, inspire, and add a little extra intention to your everyday. Welcome to the show, guys. Thank you so much, as always, as always, as always, for listening. I'm so glad you're here. As you guys know from my Tuesday mini edition about my August favorites, this theme for this month in September is all about intention, but it's happening outside of the Lively Show. I'm so excited to start helping you guys with the work that I do through values-based intentions through live, free, online intention-setting workshops. I have two of them coming up this month, and one of them actually starts next week. So if you want to sign up for them, go over to lifewithintentiononline.com. It's totally free to sign up. It's going to be live and fun. I'll be answering your questions and finally getting to meet you guys without just staring at a mic and a blank screen. My hope is that I help as many Lively Show listeners as possible. Thousands of you guys are listening all over the world, and I really do want to start helping you guys live from the values-based intention approach that has truly changed my life and hundreds of other clients of mine as well. In this workshop, I'll be teaching how to set values-based intentions with those uppercase V values that you hear me talk about here on the show. And for anyone that has time zone or schedule conflicts, don't worry. We are later this month going to have a mini series to teach you as well. But there's some surprises and fun things that are happening on the live coaching. So I highly encourage you, if you can make those times, please join me then. And now let's talk about the show. Today is a really exciting one. When I got this application to speak, I knew I wanted to have her on the show. In fact, I couldn't stop sharing this topic with my friends and my husband and my brother. I was so excited because this is a topic I've never thought to be a topic. We're going to talk about introversion and dating with Sarah Jones of introvertedalpha.com. Sarah specializes in helping introverted men improve their dating experience, but most of you listening are probably women. So yes, we will be speaking to men and you can share this with any of your introverted friends that are males as well, but we're going to talk about introverted females, being in relationships with introverts, what introversion looks like in a way you may not have thought of before in terms of who has the energy. Is it the introverts or the extroverts in a whole new way? And this is actually the first episode where I've missed an important question that I forgot to ask during the live recording. I found it so important to talk about this subject in terms of how same-sex couples, how this content may apply or not. So I actually asked Sarah to record an answer to that question after our live recording. So towards the end of the interview, you're going to hear that question popped in. Now let's go to the show. Sarah, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thanks so much for having me, Jess. I'm excited. Let's get started with your background and how you got to the introverted alpha. I think the main shaper of my story that led to this point is I have always been surrounded by and loved introverted men. Really? Truly. Yeah, I have. Who was the first introverted man that you loved? My dad. (laughs) I thought it might have started there. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So the linear, logical type, you know, just thinking, 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 problem solving, prefers a good book or solving a problem to being the life of the party. That's just been the men that I've always known and gravitated to. And then when I started coaching, those are the men that I clicked with best. And those were the ones that got the best results. So it took a while to realize that those were my favorites. We're meant to work together. So that's most of how Introverted Alpha was born. 
Were you a dating coach before you honed in on the introversion side of things? I actually was, yeah. So I knew I wanted to do coaching when I was working on selling my art. So it was just the very beginnings of selling my art. I was an art undergrad major and I noticed that the people that I was sending my art to on the newsletter list were saying that what I was sending them, the things I was writing and also the paintings really helped them see things in another way. And it helped them personally in their lives. That was amazing to hear. And I was like, that is more significant to me than the work itself. Like seeing that change is more fun to me. So I just found out what coaching was not long prior to that. And I decided, you know what? Coaching is the most direct way to help create that change. So I went into coaching. I'd been also tutoring on and off for about 10 years and helping people build their confidence before we looked into the actual grammar of the geometry. So that had been kind of happening in the background as well. So all those things culminated into coaching school, finding out I had to have a niche. I didn't know what a niche was solving a particular problem for a certain group of people. And so it took me a while to realize, okay, dating is what I want to focus on because my own dating life felt so fun and enjoyable really for the first time in my life. This was a few years ago in my mid-20s. I realized I wanted to focus on dating. And at first I thought, well, I'm just going to help women with dating because that's a normal thing. Women help women, men help men. But in the practice groups I was in, in my coaching school and in different courses I was taking on business, The men I talked to, it was just such a natural synergy. And one of them even said, have you thought about coaching men? I think you would be really good at it. And that was the seed that was planted. And then I worked for another dating coaching company for a while and worked with all kinds of men, all different kinds of background, all kinds of stories on dating. After doing that for over a year, these introverted ones, they're the ones, they're my favorites. I have to ask you a question. Are you introverted yourself or not? Well, I am by the Myers-Briggs, not introverted as my primary way, but I still love to have that quiet private time to reflect and think. And as a kid, and this is interesting, most introverted kids feel the pressure to be more extroverted. I actually was more extroverted and lively, but I felt like I should just be quiet and more studious. So it's very interesting working with introverts who often feel that pressure from the outside to be more extroverted. I grew up feeling the opposite. But the good thing that that did was it helped me to cultivate that more quiet side, more reflective side and thoughtful side that I use heavily in relating to my clients and in running a business. It's just become a part of me. You're still an E, but you're not that far from the middle. Exactly. Yeah. That's actually how I am as well. And my husband. Oh, awesome. I know. I like working with a lot of people, but at the same time, I like working from home. Oh, yes. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) Were you feeling like you needed to be more introverted because of your parents or your dad as a child? Yeah, I I would say so. And also just my upbringing. So I grew up in Alabama. I now live in San Francisco. And in every household, it's different. But also just the general culture is to be a good girl. I mean, of course, boys need to be a good boys. But I remember I would have little fights with my little brother And my grandma and my mom said, well, boys will be boys. Like, how do they get this free ticket? What about girls will be girls? How we (laughs) thought about that? What about that? So it was very much like be a good girl. And part of good was just not being in the way or just like being a little quieter. It varied from family to family. But certainly my dad really liked his peace and quiet. And if I was being louder and just off the walls, then he wasn't getting a lot of that. So I think that's kind of the place where that feeling of, oh, I should definitely be quiet, be good, be this. That's kind of, I think, where it started. 
Are there any misconceptions that typically accompany this topic when it comes to what introversion means? Oh, yes. Oh, yes, there is. So a big misconception is that introversion and extroversion is black and white. You are either this or that. And we've been talking in other terms in this call that, okay, it's more of a continuum. Are you more towards the middle? That's a great conversation, Jess, because it reminds us that it's really a continuum. Even if we are more extroverted, that means that we have a more extroverted way of processing information primarily than we have an introverted way secondarily. And introverts, interestingly enough, have an introverted way as their primary then extroverted as their secondary. So it just is like, which order is primary and secondary? It's not only this way or only that way. That's awesome. And actually, I remember this from my RA training as a college student. I remember learning from Myers-Briggs what it means to be an introverted and extroverted person in terms of your energy and where you draw it from. Would you mind going into that? Oh, for sure, yeah. For people that draw their energy from the outside, the life of the party, loving to be around lots and lots of people. That is a really fun thing that actually gives that sense of aliveness and energy and everything. But introverts often get way more energy from being quiet, either being alone or just having a one-on-one conversation or just very, very chill, not as many things going on. I think this is part of that fundamental difference of what that primary way is of taking in the world. If, you know, it's either the more energy by the more stuff going on, the more people or through less, through quieter. Yeah, it totally changed my perspective and paradigm of introversion and extroversion to put another layer to what you just shared, which is to think of it visually in your head as like there's an optimum line of energy, like you said, like how you're feeling in the world, aliveness extroverted people, if they're alone for a long time, that line sags and it goes lower, it dips. So they go around other people to raise the line to the optimum level. But the introverted people, when they're around a lot of people for a long extended period of time, that optimum line, they go way higher and it feels uncomfortable. And so in order to get back to their optimum aliveness, they recharge. So they're already kind of more naturally higher wired, not to say they're type A or anything or stress out, but just that they have a more intense energy and they soothe it or they, they calm it to a really great level by going away from the energy. So does that make sense? Like the extroverts go around people to lift themselves up and the introverts go away to kind of calm themselves down. Is that accurate? I would definitely say so. I, I haven't heard that frame before, but I really like that visual. And I would definitely say that that's true. Just like how much stuff is already going on inside, how intense are things? then that makes a lot of sense that for introverts, it's already pretty intense. We've just got to bring it down. But then, you know, there's also the other way where there's lots of room for more intensity. So then bringing it up. That's a really, really good visual. Thanks for sharing that. I like that. It also helps because of the continuum. If you're around it too much, then even as an extrovert, like I can definitely get where it's too much and I got to bring myself down. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Me too. Now we're going to take this framework and bring it into dating. So what is the difference between introverts dating and extroverts dating in the first place? So for introverts, they really love making a deeper connection. They really thrive on making that deep connection. It can take a little longer also to feel that connection. Whereas for extroverts, they can feel connected to people very quickly and They like to have lots of connections, not to say that they don't want one relationship with one person, but just that it doesn't stress them out to be dating multiple people at a time, for example, whereas for introverts, that can be stressful. It's much easier for them just to date one person at a time. 
Is there any other differences? Introverts are very thoughtful. They think about a lot of things. They analyze a lot of things. So on a date with an introvert and an extrovert, there might be something that happens that the introvert really thinks about and takes to heart and is analyzing it, whereas the extrovert may not have even noticed that it happened. (laughs) Is there any (laughs) scenarios when you're dealing with people that that happened? Yeah, for sure. So let's say I'm working with a man and he has met a woman and he really likes her and they're setting up their first date. So he's likely to worry about suggesting the right place, texting at the right time, all these things. And he's a little worried about it because he's just thoughtful and he wants to make sure he does it right. Whereas for her, she likes him. She likes him. These little details, she may either not notice or not really care or they're not a big deal. So that's something that comes up a lot. Interesting. Do introverts tend to date introverts or is the opposite polarity more common? Opposite is more common, but usually like more hovered around the middle. A total introvert on one end of the spectrum isn't going to feel comfortable with an extrovert on the other end of the spectrum. But someone who has, you know, a little bit more of that quiet nature is attracted to someone who's a little bit more up and, you know, happy and lively. Not to say that that they're not happy per se, but they kind of are intrigued by that difference and it works both ways. So that whole mysterious way of being or maybe a little bit more reserved or a little bit quiet, I've always been attracted to men that are that way. I really like when you don't always know what he's thinking. There's just this whole deep world going on, you know, oh, What's happening over there? Oh, that, that's so interesting. And that's something that a lot of introverted men don't even know about themselves. They don't know that women often perceive them that way. It goes both ways too. Women that are more mysterious, men just go nuts. What is she thinking all of this? And introverts can't help it. They're naturally more private. And that's why it's so beautiful. They don't have to try. That's just how they are. So what you explained about this dating, texting, picking the first place scenario makes me think there could be also a lot of misunderstandings or confusion between the two different energies, if you will. Is that the case sometimes? It is because it's hard to know what you don't know. So just like what we're talking about, the line of continuum, extroverts bringing down the line and introverts bringing up the line. Once we know that, it helps a lot. Then we can understand people that are a little different than us and we can understand ourselves better as well. So I find that the lack of understanding is just a lack of knowledge about ourselves and others. And that's what's so great about it because it's easily fixable. You learn and then all of a sudden you understand things more and then in context too. So like in the texting example, when I tell my clients actually what the woman is thinking, I'm like, okay, so you met her here. Okay, so this is what happened. Okay, okay. So she's into you. And they're like, really? Yes. Well, I mean, they kind of know that, but it takes another step for them to admit that, for them to just own that. (laughs) Okay. And then they can relax. You can hear them relax on the other end of the line. You know, they're like, okay, all right. And then right alongside that, I tell them, okay, so here's generally when you want to text, how you want the kind of banter to go. And so once they have that framework and they know what she's thinking, Jess, it gets so much easier for them. Okay, so what are three things, this is for the introverted males out there listening or for any female listening to share this with their introverted partners or friends, what do they need to know? What are the three things they need to know in order to simplify or improve their dating experience? One thing is to know that mysterious and reserved is attractive. It is attractive. Just as we were talking about how it just kind of makes us wonder, it adds some uh, factor of just not knowing. And that builds that polarity, it builds that attraction. Whereas they may have thought that being introverted is not in their favor. 
once they understand that when they have confidence and when they feel comfortable in their own skin, that's when that reserved nature becomes so attractive. It's kind of like using your strengths rather than trying to fix your weaknesses. Exactly. That's exactly what it is. It's focusing on your strengths and enjoying them and then letting your weaknesses fall where they may. You know, if it's really intense, it needs to be addressed. That's fine. But I always like to use the frame of, well, if we focus on your strengths and appreciate them, that's so much easier and more fun and more effective. Awesome. So what are two other things they can do to improve their dating experience? So another thing they can do is really notice who they feel drawn to and notice that if they feel drawn to that person, then there's probably some kind of a natural match there. There's probably going to be an opening for some mutual chemistry happening when they meet that person. The reason why I want to bring this up is because a lot of times, especially for men that are very thoughtful and they're just kind of like in their own heads, they see someone that they feel drawn to and attracted to just in general as a person. She's just this great woman. And they forget that, oh, well, if I particularly like her, there's a good chance that she might feel the same way. And there is. And just remembering that can help confidence boost a lot. And it can have them be open to women that are already attracted to them. Because just a lot of these men are not even open to that possibility. They even write me like, Sarah, there's women that I know that they're into me, but I don't know what to do. or I'm not sure that they are. So they're looking for that surety before they take action. (laughs) Yes. So I guess that might be number three is you're not going to be totally sure. You can take action as long as it's just a gentle, chill way of making a connection. If you can just make a connection based on the environment, you know, where you are, that's a great way to start a conversation. If you're in yoga class, you can say that you've been there for a while, you haven't seen her, has she done other classes, or you just kind of start a conversation about where you're at that's a way to take that step even without being sure because as the conversation happens everything unfolds and then you become sure later but you can't wait till you're sure before you do something oh I love that okay so now let's kind of flip the script and let's talk about introverted females because I bet there are many listening to this show I would love to hear how they could approach dating do they do the same three things you just shared Are there different things? While the roles are a little different in that, you know, usually men approach most of the time, that's kind of the expectation. Women can also start a conversation because it doesn't have to be like this big built up thing of, oh, approach. And for men that get dating advice, that's like this big thing. Oh, the approach, the approach. It becomes this total psych out moment when actually it's just making connection. So for women, I would say the same three things to you. The only subtlety that I would put in there that's a little bit different is realize that because men especially like to be so sure before they make a connection, any way that you can help them along by giving them some great eye contact, smiling, just feeling relaxed and great in your own skin and appreciating them, making a connection, it really encourages them to approach because they can use all the help that they can get when it comes to feeling a little bit more sure. Yeah, I've actually heard this is crazy. (laughs) I've not thought about this in a long time. But I've heard if you walk in and you see someone you're interested in to stare at the uh, this is crazy. I'm not giving you guys dating advice. So first of all, (laughs) I am not the dating expert. But I just remember hearing somewhere you lock the eyes with them or you smile at them for three solid seconds without diverting your eyes. (laughs) It's like the symbol or the, the way of telling the guy that there is an open opportunity. And apparently that is extremely attractive to men because it gives them a very clear signal if they're interested to approach. Is that craziness? I don't know where I heard that. So no promises on whether that's good (laughs) advice. (laughs) 
Well, it's a bold thing to do, but what I like about that is that you don't have to say something. So it's bold in what you're doing and the connection that you're making. It really is very edgy to do that, to make eye contact with someone that you feel that charge of attraction with. Yeah, it sounds scary to me. (laughs) It's a little scary. It's a little edgy. So I would say what I would add to that is in those three seconds, if at any point it just feels like you feel creepy or there's not a connection, then you can break the eye contact. You don't have to just (laughs) wait until the end of that third second, which each second can feel like a minute in that case. Yeah, maybe they think you're crazy. So what is a better way than what I just shared? (laughs) Well, I would say instead of just like, oh, I'm going to make eye contact for three full seconds no matter what, I would say see if there might be a connection through much smaller moments of eye contact. So if he's noticing you, you know how when you're in a room with somebody that you feel drawn to and you can feel that they also kind of feel drawn to you too. And this is a great for women because as women, it's easy for us to pick up on those signals. It's easy for us to have that sixth sense compared to men. It's a little harder for them sometimes. So use that strength that you have as a woman to notice who might already be intrigued by you in the room. Who do you kind of feel that mutual connection with? It's just a feeling. It's a sense. But I get to say this to women because as women, we're more in touch with this. And then you can play with eye contact from there. Intuition in dating. I love it. Yeah. So I have a 25-year-old brother who's single in Austin and very cute, hot catch in every way. I will say that as his older sister, I might be biased, but I'm, he's like genuinely amazing. <laughs> so he is using online dating apps like Tinder. I think he's mentioned Bumble or something like this. I never got to do any of these things. I met my husband before online dating was like a thing for me to be doing. So what about that and introversion? How does that factor in? That's a really good question. It's definitely a hot topic for sure. It's appealing to some introverts and not appealing to others. So I always just have them check to see, is this appealing to you or not? Best way to find out if it's appealing is to give it a try. And the best way to give it a try is to make sure that your pictures are good. It's good to have a variety of pictures where she can really get a sense of you, see you in your element, use filters and crops on your photos to look really good. These things make a big difference, especially women. We notice these things a lot, you know, how the visuals look. And that's the most important, hands down, is the pictures. So spend a nice amount of time just getting all of that set. Not forever, but, you know, just pay attention. Get, you know, your sister or your female friend to help you make your pictures look good. And then put those up and then see what happens. Try it out. If you're getting a lot of responses, like I've had clients who get great responses from online dating. They get lots of dates from it. It's easy for them. It's great for them. For other guys, even once their pictures are right, which is important to get that right first, you can like actually have a fair chance. You get that right. And then for some of them, either it's not working how they want to or they do meet women, but they just prefer to make that connection in person first. You know, it's just a personal preference. Are you cool with meeting lots of different kinds of people? Do you prefer not having to do in-person approach? Or do you really like it to actually meet a woman first, get a sense of her, and then invest on going on a date with her? Gotcha. What about for females online? Well, you know, as women, we have a little better sixth sense about images looking really great. So just make sure that you use that to get your images looking really good. It's important. And then when you're messaging, make sure that you're getting the right vibe. Because as for women... We want to feel safe, especially if we're meeting somebody online. Pay attention to your sixth sense there. 
and pay attention to how he's talking to you. Make sure that he's being respectful and laid back. You feel comfortable with him just through that exchange before you meet him. Because not only is that going to make sure that you feel at peace throughout the process, but that those are going to be the best connections anyway. And what's your most effective piece of advice that like changes everyone's lives? <laughs> it is enjoy the lot of being you. <laughs> enjoy it. It is the ends and the means. Do you have any tips on how people can actually do that if they feel like that's hard? Sure. I would say most important is reflect on what's most important to you, what your deepest values are. You can look at a list of values and choose or, you know, it's just kind of easy. You can probably just Google for a list and see which are your most important values, what means the most to you. Because that's like the core of who you are as a person is what's most important to you. And then what do you get complimented on a lot? Because a lot of people get a lot of compliments. They don't even know how to put those together and notice like, oh, I actually get complimented on this one thing a lot. You know, everyone says what beautiful eyes I have. Everybody says that I'm a great listener. Sometimes it's not until you actually think about it and deliberately remember what you could compliment it on that it comes to mind. So spend the time to get clear on what your deepest values are and on what you get complimented most on. And then enjoying yourself is not far behind that. Now let's move on. Let's say the dating app or <laughs> in-person meeting goes well and you're in a relationship with an introvert. How can we improve our connections if our partner is an introvert? Oh yeah, great question. Great question. So a couple of things. First of all, introverts often want a lot more space than they feel like they have because just like we talked about earlier with like raising or lowering that line, their threshold for space is big. They want a lot of space. So you can always just check in. And if you sense them being a little bit tense, it's one of the great things about a relationship because you really get to know somebody. You can tell if they're feeling relaxed and happy or if they feel a little tense. And chances are with an introvert, if they feel a little tense, you can kind of see that. They probably want some space. If there's something going on, they probably want some time to think about it. And just make sure that they know that it's going to be really safe for them to come bring that to you and talk about it with you when they're ready. There's no rush. There's no pressure. And just that kind of general vibe, which is hard to give as an extrovert. That's like a total personal growth path I myself <laughs> am on to give that space. And really, I understand I'm not asking a small thing, but when you do that, the relationship really, really flourishes. I feel the same way. It's not easy for me to do either. (laughs) (laughs) Quality time is my number one love language. So that would be really hard. But I think my husband is probably more introverted than I. As you say that, I'm like, yeah, I think he would love that. He could just play his video games (laughs) longer. (laughs) Yeah. What else do we need to know? I'm now just throwing the floor to you. What do we need to know about introversion and dating? Okay. So number one thing, and I think this is even in the year that I've had this business, I've noticed that this has already improved a lot. Thanks a lot to Susan Kane and the book Quiet. I am so grateful to her because she really showed that introversion is a beautiful thing. It's not something wrong. It's not something to fix. And while we've made a lot of progress, even just since I've been studying this and looking at this and working with this, there's still some ways to go and really fully embracing introversion, just that need for some quiet and space in ourselves, because we all have the, some need for space in different degrees, but and especially in others, and especially for people that are more introverted, number one thing is realizing like, okay, it's just how I am. It's how I am in the world. It comes with certain strengths and certain weaknesses, just like extroversion. Yeah, I think it's really mind 
shifting. When you think about that line, I think there can be some like proudness from an extroversion standpoint of I love I have a lot of energy when I'm around people and all that stuff. But when you think about the line being, you're just pulling it up to the optimal where the (laughs) introverted has plenty of it, too much in fact, and they're using their time to calm it down. I think it kind of changes how if you value energy or something, it's kind of different when you think about it that way. It's like, oh, they are. They're like super energetic. It's not that they have a lack of it. They have almost an excess at times, and it kind of gives it a different sense. That was a paradigm shift for me. Oh, I love that you brought that in. It's really, I, I love it. I'm going to be using it now that, you know, it's so good. Thanks so much for that. I didn't think I'd have anything to contribute to this because I, although my parents are both introverted and actually I will say, I agree with you with your father that you shared earlier. I think it's been hard for me to relate to my family because all of my family is introverted, <laughs> except for myself. My dad will be very vocal and socially, but as like a regular day person. And my mom is definitely introverted at like all times. And my brothers are too. It's kind of hard to be in the family of introverts as an extrovert because their way of operating is the norm of the family. So I am the weird one, if you will. Yeah, yeah. That's such a unique experience. Like just like I was sharing earlier, it's like not a lot of us extroverts have felt that way, but that's a way in which we can relate to a lot of introverts because a lot of introverts feel that way in the world. They feel like they have to be different. Yeah. Well, I'm always feeling like I'm the problem. Yeah. (laughs) Why don't you talk and connect? And they're like off doing their own things. And it took until I was an adult to really even see that that was going on. And that's why there was this disconnect, possibly because of this introversion, extroversion. I want to connect more. They would like to connect less. So it's kind of this balance that I always just felt I was the weird one. But really, it was only because I just happen to be around a lot of introverts. Exactly. It's so interesting that the context that we're in really shapes our self-concept. How do these concepts of introversion and dating apply to same-sex couples? Sure. So with heterosexual couples and dating, usually the man initiates more than the woman. That's usually how it goes. With same-sex dating and couples, not as clearly defined. It's more about, at least in, in my interpretation of the dynamics, it's more about uh, the specific dynamics between two people and what each person naturally gravitates towards in terms of more of a role in a dynamic. So while not everything may apply from what we talked about so far, like as clear cut to same sex couples, same sex or heterosexual, it still is a matter of like finding what really works for you, what really suits you and your personality, what feels really right for you in terms of the dynamics and how you interact with other people and you know what's great about you and understanding and enjoying yourself. So I would say that that applies to everybody. What doubts or internal resistance have you had to face in your life recently? Mm-hmm. That's such a good question. So what it's come down to recently is I've just gotten to the place where the business is going well, my relationship is going really well, everything's going really well, my health as well. And now it's time to really rest and learn how to turn off. And that's something that's never been the number one priority. There's always been something else. Build the business. Maybe I'm moving or this and that. And this is the first time that this is first and foremost. Turn off. so that Because that's good for my long-term health and my short-term health and peacefulness. So that's new for me. And it feels edgy. And there's a part of me that's excited to do it. And I want to learn how to meditate more and 
just kind of do things that are fun and relaxing that don't involve my mind. Like even if I'm watching TV, I'm like so into what's going to happen next, what's going to happen next. I'm like, no, I just need to relax and find things that are just free and easy and don't use my mind. And that's really edgy for me. It's almost like in your own life, you're having a season of introversion. Yeah, I would definitely say so. I am having a, a season. It's just just beginning. You know, it's like fall is in the air. And literally, too, it's almost fall here. So, yeah, it's a little edgy and I'm excited about it and just really curious for what's next in that regard. And what would you tell someone who's just starting out on this journey? I would tell them to see who you are, not what the context is, the expectations, you know, just like Jess and I have been talking about, you and I have a lot of our self-concept was influenced by our context. So I would say for anybody starting out, notice if that's been the case for you too, if there might be a little bit of a different part of you that wants to come out and play. I love that. Sarah, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing this with us. I hope that everyone listening who knows someone who's introverted or is enjoys this and shares it with those who are. Thanks so much, Jess. It's been a lot of fun. I really appreciate it. And there you have it. Thank you so much for listening. And Sarah, thank you for coming on the show and sharing with us today. If you'd like to send Sarah a message, you can do so on Twitter. Her handle is introvertedalpha, but introverted does not have the E, D at the end. It's just introvert D, alpha on Twitter. And of course, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat, sharing a lot of things about the house. Let's be honest, that's pretty much what I'm up to these days is decorating the house. And that's at Jess C as in crazy eyes, lively. The crazy eyes is a little nod to my little brother, Michael, who I know is listening right now. And and since I called him out earlier in this episode, I thought I'd give him that nod. Before I share who's coming up next week on the show, I want to share a little something about today's sponsor, FreshBooks.com. FreshBooks is my favorite bookkeeping software, which I've been using since January of 2012. Over the three plus years I've been using it, I have become addicted. In fact, I was addicted as soon as I plugged in my logo (laughs) and all of a sudden the whole page changed colors to coral black and white. I immediately felt at home and having been a QuickBooks user for many years and being frustrated by the lack of intuitive you know, software, it just didn't feel easy. I never enjoyed using it and I knew there had to be a better way. I looked around for other alternatives and found FreshBooks. Once I signed in, loaded that logo, I've never looked back. It's amazing software. I highly recommend for any other business owners out there. You've heard me rave about it on The Lively Show before in other episodes, totally unsponsored by FreshBooks. I just love them. Give it a shot by going to freshbooks.com slash lively to get your free 30-day trial if it feels like a fit. And now for a sneak peek. Next week, we are talking with thought leader and best-selling author John Acuff about his newest book, Do Over. Do Over is all about how to prepare and be proactive about career changes. So whether what you want happens in your career and you're making a shift for good reasons, or if things don't go your way and things aren't where you want to be in your career, like you get laid off or something goes south in the economy, you're prepared by using the strategies that John lays out in his book. This is a fast-paced, lively conversation I can't wait to share with you next week. Until then, may something wonderful happen to you today. 